The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Welcome back to the show. We have some serious coaching carousel situations happening. We have a big wildcard weekend to preview as well as some underdog pickums. Uh, there's some big underdog specials this weekend, guys. Okay, so stay tuned for that. But uh, some of these coaching moves so far, man, uh, it, you know, and some surprising ones. But I will say, you know, all this matters because, you know, all the offensive schemes that end up being deployed ends up mattering a ton for fantasy, right? Like which OCs some of these head coaches are going to bring in, whether the head coach that himself ends up being the guy who installs the offensive scheme, you know, like Brian Callahan, right, who's currently the OC for the Bengals. He's, he's you know, some teams are interested in him. Ben Johnson, like especially Ben Johnson, like wherever yeah. Ben Johnson ends up, we're going to be drafting all of his offensive playmakers, like every single one. Like they're all going to be drafted within the first 15 rounds. There's no doubt about that. Um, what, what would happen if Ben Johnson went to like Atlanta? <laughs> like, could dude, you imagine that? Oh, dude, my God, dude, I'm taking Drake London in the first round. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's bold. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. I, I definitely look I mean, more dude. at like Bijan, but yeah. 100%. That, oh, there's so many different ways it could go. That would be freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him there. That would be there. so that would, good. That would be sick. Like, complete be so 180 good. from what we were getting from Arthur Smith. <laughs> you know oh, saying? my God. That would be amazing. And you know what, man? I think whoever inherits the Falcons roster, like, it, it, the roster isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, they're in a good you know? spot. Get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Get a nice offensive scheme there. You're chilling, man. It's a pretty attractive spot, I think, for an offensive coach. You know? So... Yeah. That would be just a solid offensive scheme. You don't need, you know, you don't need Kyle Shanahan there. (laughs) They have the weapons. It's just they had such a terrible offensive scheme. Not even a scheme. It's just the personnel that they were using. Like, they weren't even using their best players. And it's just crazy to think that Arthur Smith went three years. And I always say this. They drafted a first-round tight end, a first-round receiver, a first-round running back, three years in a row, and none of them got any run. Like, it it just made no sense. Forget first round zach top 10 yeah okay just like crazy <laughs> and their offensive problems like your offensive problems should be solved even after drafting kyle pitts in 2021 at least see some change some movement in a positive direction you didn't see that then they're like oh we'll add drake london we'll have two huge guys on the inside and the outside you know catching passes just didn't change anything and then Bijan robinson's okay we're gonna do the ground game and i honestly thought Bijan robinson would pan out because we know arthur smith was mr run the ball but he was missed to run the ball with Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson this year. It was just ridiculous. Bijan ended up getting less than 50% of the running back carries for the Falcons this year after being a top 10 pick. But yeah, I'll be very, very excited for Drake London. I would be the most excited for him. I would definitely be excited for Kyle Pitts also, who, you know, he wasn't really healthy for the most part this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's Zach, by the way. I'm Faraz. Let's get into some of these other coaching we have bill, bill belichick he's out you know that wasn't he's doing his so surprising 
right? Like yeah. that was like we kind of figured that that was going to happen, but it's official. I think as we're speaking right now, he's given his uh, goodbye press conference. Uh, he, right. he said something yep. funny to start it off. He said, I haven't seen this many cameras here since we signed Tim Tebow, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, is, yeah. But he is out. Obviously, huge news. Uh, 24 years as a head coach for the Patriots. Um, you know, Tom Brady winning all those Super Bowls for him. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a, um, you know, very different Patriots team moving forward. Yeah, you're going to word it that way. Like, are you trying to piss some people off by saying Tom Brady winning the Super Bowls for him, not with him? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you ask me, I agree. It looks like it was more Tom Brady than Bill Belichick. But still, it's like you're definitely trying to piss somebody off by saying that, yes, right? You I have am. to be. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I actually have somebody in mind, like somebody oh, specific in mind. Someone that you and know is you, listening. And if you think that it's you <laughs> listening to this, it is you. Okay. Uh <laughs> Ron Rivera, he's out as the commander's head coach about two years too late. Uh, they're currently interviewing as well. You know, no guarantee. You know, I know Eric Bieniemy went over there, you know, potentially to become a head coach there once Ron, Ron Rivera was out. But I don't think that's a foregone conclusion right now. And I think, you know, they're still doing a lot of interviews. Eric Bieniemy is one of those guys they're interviewing. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, so th that, that should be interesting because they have a lot of playmakers there, right? So it'll be yeah. interesting to see what they end up doing. Um, we know that Arthur Smith is out as a head coach. Thank God. Uh, mm -hmm. big, big surprise. Pete Carroll stepping down yeah. as head coach, mutually parted ways as far as the head coaching position goes, but apparently he'll serve in an advisory role and stay in the building. Um, I personally owe Pete Carroll an apology because I have been saying for years, you know, why aren't you let, why aren't you letting Russ cook? Let Russ cook. Like this is terrible. Old old school, blah blah blah, but yeah. they ended up letting him go. They got a haul back for him, and now we know who Russell Wilson is. And it's possible, you know, it, it's a chicken and the egg thing, right? It's like, did when they traded him, was he just kind of like on the decline? And I think that has something to do with it in terms of Russell Wilson, him, what he looks like now compared to what he looked yeah. like when he was on the Seahawks. But also, it's like, well, you know, maybe they just really hid his deficiencies in a really, really creative way that, you know, we looked at Russ as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think he was, uh, but you know, I think it just goes to show the coaching made a huge impact, positive impact there where me personally looking at it, you know, from outside the organization, outside of practice, outside of those games, outside of those meetings, uh, as you know, as a situation where they were holding him back. But listen, right. I, I think I was wrong on that one. I really was. I, so I OP Cal an apology. I think he did a great job there. There you go. I, I think one of the funniest things I saw from him getting not, you know, obviously stepping back, but the comments that everybody was saying, the first thing that was out of a lot of people's mouths was, well, you got to upgrade Kenneth Walker now because <laughs> it's not going to be all these running backs in the backfield. They're not going to do that anymore. It's like, nah, I don't really go that far that fast. You know, they have the guys on the roster. I just thought that was funny. That's what people were saying because we did complain about that a lot too when Pete Carroll was head coach. But to talk about Russell Wilson for a second, I don't think it was, like you said, it's like, oh, we know who Russell Wilson is now. I don't think that him leaving Seattle and, you know, playing not so good in Denver is like him showing his true colors that Seattle was covering him up, that he wasn't a good quarterback. Because when he was with Seattle, he was a very good quarterback. You know, towards the end, obviously, things tailed off a little bit. But once he got, he and he left Seattle, he goes to Denver. 
obviously the coaching situation wasn't 100 percent there things just kind of fell apart that whole thing i i don't think it's all 100 percent like oh russell wilson was going down off the edge but i don't think it was also i also don't think it was Pete carroll coming around covering these deficiencies and doing that all for him so it's like where I'm at with it is I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, it's easy to say it's a little bit of both. Just take that me- median stance. But I don't want to just say, like, we know who Russell Wilson is now that he's on Denver because he's been in a rough situation for the past two years already. You know, obviously, like I mentioned, the coaching and things just they haven't put it together in Denver. So really tough, you know, situation for Russell Wilson. But Pete Carroll being out, you know, if, you, if you've been shitting on him for all, this whole time, and obviously I haven't been part of that dialogue this whole time you know i don't know how far back you and pete carroll go but if you've been shitting on like yeah maybe you can give an apology i don't know it, it, it's it's not 100 like it's not like you were 100 wrong you know what i'm saying i think i was i think i was <laughs> honestly i think i was I, i'm right. trying to cut you some slack we, here for us like <laughs> yeah, i appreciate that i appreciate that um another surprise was mike vrabel being fired fired by the tennessee titans that was a weird one um if they don't bring in like a specific like offensive minded coach who's going to install an offensive scheme for their guys, like I don't know what the reason would be to get rid of Vrabel, right? Like, right. I feel like he's a good head coach. I feel like he his team plays, you know, for him. You know, situational football. I think solid enough. You know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really understand this one. I can understand just going in a different direction. But to me, the problem is always like personnel, right? That's always mm-hmm. been the problem there. Um, and he was just Not kind of going personnel. with what he had. Like personnel decisions, like trading away A.J. Brown, you know what I'm saying? For like that yeah. kind of thing and drafting Traylon Burks. And I, I get it. Like if you don't want to pay A.J. Brown and you want to draft a new rookie who looks good, you know, Traylon Burks didn't look that bad coming out. Obviously, he struggled with injuries or whatever. I get it from that perspective, but it was A.J. Brown. And we know, I don't know if you saw the clip, it was like Mike Vrabel talking about it a couple days before the draft. He's like, as long as I'm the head coach, we're not trading A.J. Brown. And then they showed the video of him being really upset in the war room when they made the trade. It's like, I kind of see that. It's like, okay, this isn't Mike Vrabel's fault, what we're seeing here. And, you know, there wasn't really a reason for him to be fired unless, like you mentioned, they just want to go a different way. So if they're going to make that change, like you mentioned, it better be like a change drastically in the right direction, like you mentioned, with an offensive play caller. Like if they go draft, not draft, if they go sign another just kind of like middle of the pack head coach or a defensive head coach, I don't want to sign a defensive head coach or anything like that. Like there are guys out there you don't want to deal with that. I saw Antonio Pierce's name floating around there, and it's like, what is the point of that? He's it's not like making you it out of, have, yeah. You already have somebody like that who has proven himself as a head coach mm-hmm. for several years in, in Vrabel. It's, it's like getting someone like Pierce. Like, what, why even interview him, to be honest? Like, exactly. I wouldn't understand that move at all what, if that were to happen. Yeah, what is he... It's a great story with Antonio Pierce, you know, in Las Vegas. But I don't think they would have him leave the building, A, because obviously... The Raiders players like to play for him. And then B, even though, you know, he had that great run at the end of the season, still, I don't know how good of a head coach we want to call him yet. Like, I, I don't know if we, we need to be interviewing him as like a head coach candidate at this point, because what does he have to his resume as a head coach? Six or seven games, especially there, especially in Tennessee. You know, I can understand right. in, in Vegas, right? They, they obviously have that vacancy there. Like he's not named the head coach yet or anything. And he's going to be heavily considered for that role. Be. Yeah, um, I don't think they're going to let him leave. Like, what other choice do you have at that point? Because you already signed the guy from the outside. It didn't work out with Josh McDaniels. And now you have these players who are rallying around Antonio Pierce. You yeah. can't let him leave. Like, there's no way they bring yeah. somebody else in. I think there's a chance, man. I think there is a chance that they they let they, they they really evaluate, like, what they want 
you know, for the direction moving forward. And it could be somebody that, like I said, like somebody who is going to bring their scheme, you know, offensive minded type of coach. Who knows, right? And it depends on what mm-hmm. their direction is. But like, yes, the players rally around him. And if they're going to bring in a, a guy like a motivational guy, a defensive minded guy, um, ball control, tough, like I think that that would be the ideal hire for that team. But yeah. you know, who knows? It's possible that. And if he doesn't end up being the head coach, I don't see him staying in Vegas because whoever, whichever head coach comes in, he's probably going to want to bring his guys, you know, um, yep. and have his guys take men, the OC positions and the DC positions and all that. Um, and then mm-hmm. the Giants are interested in bringing him in as their defensive as their defensive coordinator. If he were to be interested, obviously he's been a longtime Giant, part of some big big times there in New York. Um, yeah. A couple more vacancies of the Chargers. Obviously, you have have a vacancy. The Panthers have a vacancy as well. We'll see what ends up happening there. But let's start with these Saturday games, man. Browns at Texans. Browns are favored by two and a half points. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, The total's looking at 44 and a half. Um, it, you know, the Browns are favored despite this game being in Houston. Um, I, I think this really comes down to the Browns defense, right? And, and whether CJ Stroud and the offense can overcome because we know that, you know, Joe Flacco, he's been slinging it, that the offense has been scoring points. So if they can score enough points and, you know, the, the Browns defense can hold the Texans, I think that's really what it comes down to. How good is this Texans offense going to be? Um, you know, this is a stingy secondary. I can see this being a down game for Nico Collins, but this is definitely a test for Nico and that connection, right, between him and CJ Stroud. Um, yep. The last time these guys played each other, we couldn't see this connection, right? And, you know, they just played each other a couple weeks ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. That was the game where Amari Cooper absolutely balled out. Um, so, you know, I think if Nico Collins can overcome this matchup, right, I think. You know, my opinion, obviously, my opinion of him is very high, (laughs) but I think Mm -hmm. my opinion of him would be even greater going into next year because you're like, all right, well, CJ Stroud and Nico Collins, like they can overcome tough matchups, you know? Yeah, no, that that would be huge. I'm 
of the mind thinking that like this might be a quiet game for CJ Stroud. And we'll talk about, you know, some pickums that we have. I have CJ Stroud actually going lower than his prop at 245, which is yeah, might be passing bit. yards. Yeah. 245 pass yards is what it is. But like, I just want to preface that by saying that I love CJ Stroud. You know, it's awesome. We, we love CJ Stroud. He's a great fantasy quarterback and it's a great story too. And it's going to be unpopular to take any of those lower picks, you know, probably even less fun rooting against him if you take those picks. But I just look at what CJ Stroud's done historically this season against tough defenses. And this isn't me nitpicking. This is just me throwing some stats out there. He's played five games against teams inside the top 10 for fewest passing yards allowed on the season. So they're allowing not a lot of passing yards. In four of those five games, he's fallen short of the 246 passing yards he'd need to, um, on this week to break over on the, to break the over on his prop. In four of those five games, he's been under 246 passing yards. He had 91 yards against the Jets. We know how that game went in the rain. It was a mess. He left the game a little early. 140 yards against the Panthers, who, like I've been saying all season, you know, they do a pretty good job of keeping quarterbacks quiet in terms of production. Then he had 199 yards against the Saints, 242 against the Ravens. So obviously tipping a little bit there closer to that prop. And that was in week one. That was a while ago. But the only team inside the top 10 for fewest passing yards allowed that he threw for more than 246 yards against that was the Falcons, and he only had 249 yards in that game. So not necessarily super impressive. The Browns are top two in yards allowed to quarterbacks in the NFL this season, behind only the Panthers. And we missed out on Stroud in Week 16, like you mentioned, when the Browns went to Houston. We have an exact replica of that matchup. They're going back to Houston, and it's going to be pretty much the same, except we're going to have C.J. Stroud this time. I love Stroud, what the Texans have going for them, but the Browns' defense is lights out. Joe Flacco has the offense humming. I'm going to roll with what we've seen C.J. Stroud do against tough defenses so far and said that, you know, he doesn't blow the doors off of NRG Stadium this weekend. I think he's going to go lower. That's kind of how I'm viewing this game, and that's why I have the Browns. I'm picking them to win. Um, you'll see my picks for the rest of the wild card games on Instagram probably tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah, but we'd, we'd love to get those picks today, Zach. You know what I'm saying? We'd love to get those picks on the show. Ooh, Zach, I can, yeah, I can tell. Year, that's fine. Last year, last year, I think you went six for six. Yes. No. And I will say this in those games, I was pretty close on how like the game script pretty much played out too. you know, most of them like I, obviously scores weren't exact. If they were exact scores, you know, I would be putting bets right now you know what I'm saying? <laughs> on the picks, but they were pretty close. So I was pretty happy about that one. I wasn't so good in the divisional round. I think it was two for four, but the wildcard round, we're going to try and run it back and go for six for six this year. Uh, this year. If the Texans can at least keep it close, Right, if the Texans defense kind of steps up a little bit, I think, you know, you know, limit those pass rushers a bit, run the ball. I think Devin Singletary has a shot at getting a sizable workload, you know, because the Browns aren't necessarily extremely stingy on the ground on a per carry basis. Um, but you know, will the Browns put up points? I, th- I think they can. Um, Texans are at home though, so so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. The Browns have become a more pass first team since Joe Flacco arrived. Sixty three percent drop back rate uh, compared to 57% before Flacco got there and, and started for them. And, and that's why I like Flacco on, on underdog. His passing attempts is sitting at 36 and a half. I like the over on that. Uh, he went over that mark in every game except the Jets game, but they also went up early on that one. Uh, before the Jets game, he was averaging almost 44 attempts per game. I'm not really feeling Kareem Hunt in this one. His rushing line is set at 24 and a half. I'm hitting the under on this one. First of all, the Texans are allowing the fewest yards per carry to running backs in the NFL, but also Hunt has been terrible this year. 
averaging three yards <laughs> a carry, right? Uh, he's also been dead last in yards after contact, dead last in missed tackles forced, both of those on a per carry basis. Um, and by the way, for new users, Underdog is giving you a special pick'em entry for Saturday, another special on Sunday, and another special on Monday. Okay, Patrick Mahomes just needs one yard on Saturday. Matt, Matthew Stafford just needs one yard on Sunday. And Baker Mayfield just needs one yard on Monday. Um, you can throw any of those into your entry. So you just need to choose the other picks correctly for a chance to win up to 100 times your money. Not only that, the first deposit that you make will be doubled up to $100. So make sure to take advantage of that going into wildcard weekend. And then you have the Chiefs and Dolphins on Saturday night. This is a tough one for me to call, right? The Chiefs are favored yeah. by four and a half points at home. Uh, point total is 44. It's going to be very cold. Um, the Chiefs are used to that. The Miami Dolphins are not. And that could definitely affect this game. Um, however, I, I really like the Dolphins running game in this one. The Chiefs are allowing the fourth most yards per carry. The running backs this year, A-Chan leads the NFL in yards per carry. This is a pretty tough matchup for Tyreek Hill. He could probably still overcome it. You know, I think if the game is close, though, you know, the Dolphins' run game could be what ends up winning it for them if they're going to pull it out. Uh, you yeah. know, I think and so Mike McDaniel's optimistic that both Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle are back this week. They're both going to be listed as questionable. But having those guys back is going to be key. Yeah, 100%. I I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game. This is just what I'm predicting here. Yeah. Because we've seen, we've seen the Chiefs. They've looked out of sorts on offense. It's Rashi Rice and pretty much nobody else. You can't even say Travis Kelsey's getting anything done in the passing game. He hasn't looked like himself, especially down the stretch. We know he had that terrible fantasy playoff run where he averaged, what, like six points per game. Yeah, the cup, a couple catches for like 30 yards. Just ridiculous. You know, the... The Chiefs' offense is out of sorts, so the, the Dolphins have that going for them. I do think it's going to be a tougher day on offense for both teams because of the weather. You know, it's going to be freezing, and it's just the imagery of the Dolphins being the Dolphins and like Dolphins going into a frozen tundra, like just flopping around all over the place. Like, I, I can't get that out of my head. I just feel like that might happen. But as far as those running backs, like you mentioned, go if if they can get it going, I think this can be a close game. I think otherwise, it's going to be pretty much defense dominated. I think that it's going to be low scoring. You know, that you mentioned the total being over 44, uh, over under 44. I, I think it's going to be pretty far under. I, I predicted this game. I have the Chiefs winning 16 to 13, and <laughs> they're not going to cover it nice. up spread. I think it's going to be a close one because it's cold. I, I just don't see it being an offensive explosion. The way these teams have been yeah. playing, the Dolphins struggled at home. And like you mentioned, Raheem Mostert, he's probably, if he plays, you know, Jalen Waddle has a chance to play. If they play, they might be a little banged up. They might not be 100%. I don't know how much I trust the Dolphins offense going into the cold weather against a good Chiefs defense. I just don't know how many points they're going to put up. At the same time, the Chiefs might struggle, but I think I'm giving the Chiefs the edge. They're at home. And then the Dolphins also, there's that stat floating around. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but the Dolphins are 0-4 with Tua at quarterback in games under freezing temperatures, I think it is. And this one's well below freezing. So <laughs> if you want to hammer one home and say who's going to win, I think the easiest pick for me this weekend is the Chiefs beating the Dolphins. That's what I would go with. I love it. Um, all right, let's move to Sunday's game. Steelers at Bills. Uh, this one, Vegas is predicting as a pretty low-scoring game. 36 points. Um, pretty low. I mean, Did I can see, see the, the Bills scoring. I can I can see the Bills scoring more than 36 points. But yeah, weather <laughs> could be an issue. Um, Bills are favored by 10 points in this one. Um, and, 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 you know, I think this is a pretty easy one to call. I mean, I mean, was the Chiefs-Dolphins one easier to call than this one? I mean, I feel like this one's a, a easier call than that one. 
Um, Could be. But, you know, um, now if you're looking at the game script, though, right? Like James Cook, like over 15 and a half rushing attempts. Like I would throw that entry, that pick into uh, underdog, right? And if you're going to go along that same game script, you would expect the, the Steelers to have to throw the ball a little bit. Jalen Warren, his line sitting at three receptions. Uh, I think I'll go over on that one too, right? Over the last couple of games, you know, he's he's going over that mark more often than not. Uh, but not only that, the Bills are bottom 10 in receptions allowed, re- receiving yards allowed to running backs, uh, and rece- uh, receiving yards per catch. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think, one of those games where I think the running backs could end up you know, with a lot of touches, I think Warren is their still their primary pass catcher. Uh, Najee Harris definitely has come on in terms of like the, uh, the run game, but I'm not yeah. sure that that's going to be the case this week. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to build that volume. And I can see Jalen Warren potentially out snapping him in this one. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I, I'm going to spin off of that a little bit. You might think, okay, if you're going to go by Faraz's logic, you'd be like, okay, these re- running backs are going to be getting a lot of receptions, targets that the quarterback would be throwing the ball a lot too. I'm going with no. I have Mason Rudolph as one of the ones on my card. I'm lower than 26 and a half pass attempts just because of that weather, like we mentioned. Not only has Mason Rudolph eclipsed 26 and a half pass attempts in just one of his three starts this season, but like I mentioned, the weather in Buffalo is supposed to be absolutely atrocious for throwing the ball, and the Steelers have relied on the run game this season to help sneak into the playoffs. Why would they go away from the run at this point? You know, obviously, or dumping it off to other running backs, you know, to get that, get the ball to them that way, not pushing the ball downfield. Why would they go away from that? Why would they put the ball in Mason Rudolph's hands in this game when the object has been pretty much to have him throw when he only absolutely has to, you know, I wouldn't rule out the Steelers pulling out all the stops either with Mason Rudolph. And this is my, one of my primary concerns. They've been through so many different starting quarterbacks already this season. If Mason Rudolph struggles in the first half and it's close because the weather makes it close. If it's, if it's close in this at the start of the second half, like, could we see the Steelers make a QB change like they've been doing all season? Like, they're going to have pretty much everything on the table to try and win this game. The game plan is probably going to be leaning away from Mason Rudolph in the first place. The weather is going to be tilting its hand a bit at causing the passing game for both teams to be less than optimal. The looming threat of replacement at mid-game from a team that's backed into a corner before the game even starts. Like, I'm not inclined to take the over on Mason Rudolph's pass attempts. It certainly hasn't been the quarterback play that's gotten him where they are, and I don't think that they're keen on relying on that now that they're in the playoffs. So, I like the Jalen Warren call. I think he could get those targets, but I don't trust Mason Rudolph to do a whole lot of passing, especially downfield that the wind and the weather is supposed to be as bad as you're saying it is. And like I mentioned, there's that chance that he could be replaced. So this is obviously a Steelers loss, um, but I, I'm going to go with that as my pick. But I, I don't think that changes the way I, I view what you picked for underdog. Are you, are you picking the bills in this one? Yeah. Easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, good. I have a three-score game. Twenty-nine to ten is the score that I picked out, just because you know, I don't think the Steelers really have a shot. But Steelers, I didn't think they would make the playoffs. So who knows? Do you think? Do you think the Packers have a shot this weekend? Yes. Cowboys, yes. The Cowboys are favored by more than a touchdown, seven and a half point totals at fifty and a half uh, at yeah. home. I'll, I'll let you take this one away. Yeah. How are you, looking, how are you feeling about this game? I think the Cowboys are going to win. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't want to go out and just get ahead of myself and say that the, a lot of people are just writing the Packers off and saying, all right, well, this is how it works. You know, the seven seeds haven't won a playoff game since they switched to the 14-team format back in 2021. But if there was a game for an upset to happen in, like, it has to be this one, right? I mean, I know the Rams and the Lions, we'll talk about them in a minute. There's also that chance for an upset 
But I, I think the Packers are more of a clear underdog in the game that they're going into against Dallas. And Dallas is clearly the one that's supposed to win. That's the issue I'm looking at. Yeah, Rams, so Rams look, Lions, Rams Lions, like if either team wins, it wouldn't really it won't really be considered a huge upset anyway. So right. um, I don't know. I think but, the spread's like what is it, one and a half? Two? No, it's minus three. three. Um, I think it's it's just minus three for the for the Don't Lions, and they're the home and they're and they're the home team, so they get okay, that well, they get go. the yeah. three points. So it's basically a pick That's on the home field, but Lions get the three points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if the pack the Packers have absolutely have a shot, the way Jordan Love has been playing is ridiculous. He's obviously he obviously like out of the blue finished second in total touchdowns, total passing touchdowns this season behind Dak Prescott. He just kind of came up at the end of the season, and they've been playing really well. And we talked about it. I think it was on Tuesday where we talked about all these weapons that they have suddenly just kind of working in their favor. Jaden Reed's coming out, you know, Bo Melton showing up out of nowhere, Tucker Craft, you know, Romeo Dobbs has been out of it these past couple of weeks. I wouldn't rule him out against the Cowboys because that's just how things tend to go against Dallas. But the Packers are five and zero at AT and T Stadium. Dallas is sixteen and zero at home since Week One of twenty twenty two. Something's got to give. I don't think Dallas loses this game. I think CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott, they're too hot right now. And we also know that the Packers, they have a little bit of a liability at slot with Keyshawn Nixon. He's allowing a lot of yards to uh, receivers. I think it's the most um, to slot receivers this season. So when you have CeeDee Lamb lining up in the slot 50 or 60% of the time, like that's the matchup you're going to be getting. I think Dallas is going to take advantage of that plenty. I do think Dallas wins this one relatively comfortably you know i, I think my, the score that i predict is 33 to 20 but i think it's going to be a lot more interesting than that final score might indicate it might be 27 to 20 and it might be five minutes left in the game where dallas has to put it away i do think dallas wins this game but the packers absolutely have a shot do not write them off they're young they don't know what they're getting into with this playoff game and that makes it that makes them that much more dangerous because there's no inhibition when they're just rookies like they are and and that's you know what you mentioned about C.D. Lamb. You know they're they're going to do what they can to cover him. Obviously they have a, a liability you know covering slot wide receivers right now. Um, but that's also why I like Dalton Schultz because if they're going to pick their poison, they're going to try to stop C.D. Lamb. Dalton Schultz line is at thirty eight and a half. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, not Dalton Texas, Schultz. Right? I'm Ferguson? sorry, I meant um, I meant Ferguson. Ferguson. Sorry. Yeah, Jay I was going to say, hang on, say, hang on. We talked For, about the Texans already. <laughs> I have, I have. Um, I've interchanged those two guys like as I'm talking and as I'm writing so many times this year. That's yeah. not even funny. Because um, teams, yeah, yeah. Jake Ferguson. So uh, the Packers are allowing the the second most yards per reception to tight ends, um, and I think that you know he could be somebody. You know, obviously, you know he was a little bit banged up, and I think I think he could go over that line um, this week because I do think that you know, listen, C. Lamb has been just absolutely going off on every single team. Right, that he goes up against. Yeah. Right, I think they're going to have to make an adjustment here. They're going to have to try to do something, put two guys on and bracket him, do something, and I think that could open things up for for. Uh, I was going to say Dalton Schultz again for Jake Ferguson. Um, <laughs> well, so I, I, do, I do like that line. Thirty-eight and a half. I, I don't think is a unattainable number. Do you remember the last time Ceedee Lamb played the Packers? I think it was eleven no. for one fifty and two touchdowns. That was in that was in Lambeau, of course. But yeah. I don't know. He's he, CD Lamb's played one game. There's like if you want precedent for this game, he's played one game against the Packers, and that's what he did. And Dallas lost that game because Christian Watson. I know you remember that very well because that was like you were on Christian Watson. He had his three touchdown game. It's like oh, here it is. You know the great game that that was that was just terrible as a Cowboys fan. By but the way, definitely, go ahead. Christian Watson might be back uh, for oh, this God. for this game. 
So <laughs> dangerous. Just, just keep that in mind. Keep Maybe lock in your touchdown props there. You know, if they over. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was Deron Bland um, that he was doing the scoring on last year, if you remember. And yeah, Deron Bland's he's the only healthy, truly healthy cornerback we have right now. So okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rams at Lions. This is the game that I've been looking forward to. Lions favored by three points, 51 and a half total. This should be a close one. Um, You know, this is a game that, you know, could see the over like if i had to choose 51 and a half points i'm I'm, i think i'm going over on this one man i think this game could be uh you know 30 to 27 you know type of game um you know that's that's kind of what i'm looking at i think that you know it's going to come down to potentially like last minute field goal or something like that you know potential overtime type of game because both these teams have firepower right and i think the lines being at home uh this game being in a dome it's it's just going to help um, you know, Matthew Stafford, you know, like if these wide receivers can take advantage of this line secondary, as we've seen all season long, the Lions have been very, very vulnerable to per- wide receivers, especially perimeter wide receivers. Um, and that's why I kind of like Puka's 77 going over him, going over his 77 and a half uh, receiving line this week. We just saw Justin Jefferson tear them up last week. We saw multiple wide receivers tear them up. Did their perimeter wide receivers? Perimeter defense has been absolutely terrible. Um, so I like Puka this week. Um, you know, Stafford, you know, he's back in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they won a Super Bowl with him in what? It was his first year with the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, so um, this is going to be interesting, man. I think the Rams are a little bit of a dark horse. Their defense, you know, isn't that great. So I think the Lions can definitely put up a ton of points on them, too. That's going to be their liability, you know, in the postseason, even if they do end up getting a win. Uh, but I yep. think their offense can keep up with any team in the NFL. Absolutely. And that's what you just laid out perfectly. The thing the defense is missing is the Jalen Ramsey in the back end. There's nobody on the back end that really scares you, and that's what makes them vulnerable. You know, it's what allows teams to score a lot of points on them. So that's the difference. But you want to talk about bad back end defense. Like, talk about the Lions. You know, obviously, I also have Puka Nakua 76 and a half on my – you know, list right here of just picks that I like. And like you mentioned, over the last three games, like they've just been getting shredded. Justin Jefferson twice in two games. He went six for 141 in a touchdown, 12 for 192 in a touchdown. And then obviously you mix in that CD Lamb game there, 13 for 227 in a touchdown. They're just getting destroyed. So they have Matthew Stafford now coming in with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. I, I think Puka Nakua separated himself pretty much as a 1A here in this offense. He's gone over 76 and a half yards. You know, obviously that's his prop this week. He's gone over 76 and a half in four of his last six. He would have gone over that last week in week 18 if they didn't pull him from the game. So essentially it's four of the last five that he's done that. And then also the Rams past four away games have all hit the over. The over has cashed. And then the last four Lions home games have all cashed the over. So both of these teams are on four-game streaks of cashing the over in the situation that they're going into. So the Lions being at home and the Rams being away. Puka is also averaging the eighth-highest yards per reception this season at 14.2. 
tied with DJ Moore among all receivers with 100 or more targets. If the game's going to be a shootout like Vegas is projecting, and you know, I know you and I agree that this has a high scoring, you know, final score written all over it, you know, Puka's going to have no trouble doing that. So he's probably the second most confident pick I have, you know, this week behind Joe Flacco going over the pass attempts. Oh, you like that too, huh? We, we didn't even talk about that, whether if you no, like that didn't. or not. But yeah, no. But uh, I, I, you were reading off your list. You said, like, we've seen these perimeter re- receivers go off. I was like, wait, are you going to start listing off the performances now, like I had planned? Like, That's <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad I didn't. Um, so, you know, on the, you know, and also, like, I'm looking at Demarcus Robinson. There, there are some scorchers guys on underdog where, you know, you don't, you get like, uh, you know, multipliers, right, on some of these picks. Demarcus Robinson's touchdown prop is sitting at 2x. Right. So you have a little bit of a scorch, a little bit of a multiplier there. And, you know, Demarcus Robinson has been, you know, staff has been finding him in the end zone, you know, in the second half of the season. Right. So you yeah. throw him in there, make things a little spicy. I think he can end up, uh, you know, winning you some extra money. That's how you end up, you know, getting to that 100x, uh, 100x your money. Right. Um, but also, on the other side, uh, Jared Goff, you know, throwing over one and a half touchdowns at home, I think it's very, very likely. In this game, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's on my list too. <laughs> like that's another uh, easy money. I saw one. your face. I saw your face, and I thought you were going to be like, "No, I think it's going to be a David Montgomery game. I think it's going to be a David nah. Montgomery at the goal line type of game." <laughs> no, this is this is a Jared um, Goff. One thing game. to keep in mind: the Jared Goff game. Okay, there you go. So if it's a Jared Goff game, and Sam Laporta is going to be banged up, maybe not playing, maybe we. Or maybe we bang in some Jamison Williams props. Okay, Jamison Williams has been coming on a little bit uh, over the last few games. His rap participation has been increasing over the second half of the season. Uh, he's been looking good with, you know, some of the opportunity that he's had. Um, you know, two for 69 in week 17, the last time he played. Five for 43 the week before that. Four for 47 the week before that. And without Sam Laporte, I think there could be some extra opportunity for him. And they're also playing in a dome. They're playing at home. So there's a higher chance of him, you know, getting the, getting a long, a long ball. But it's all about opportunity for me. And I'm looking at his three reception prop, and I kind of like that one. I kind of like that one. I think they're going to end up playing him a little bit closer, you know, more intermediate routes opposed to just yep. him running deep, especially if Laporta is out. Obviously, Gibbs, you know, will be like likely be more involved in the receiving game too without Laporta in that short passing game. Um, but in the intermediate game, I think Jameis Williams could end up going over three catches. Yeah, I, I think. If I'm making that pick, it's completely dependent on Sam Laporta not playing. And yes, we're agreed. He's definitely not playing. I'm not sure. Is that did they rule him out or is no? He no, they didn't rule him out. Sure. No. Okay. So if even if Sam Laporta plays, he might be on a snap count. I don't know because they have the yeah. whole playoff run. Then after that, they might take him out. I, I think that this is a good call here, especially like you mentioned. He was actually coming on kind of towards the end of the season too. He was getting those targets like you mentioned that he wasn't getting earlier in the season. You know, he he's averaging like two or three targets a game from weeks 10 to week like 13, 14, but then week 15 on seven, six, three targets, you know, in that last game that he played, you know, he hasn't looked bad at all in terms of the utilization, which could go up, especially now that Sam Laporta's out. I'm with you on this one. That one didn't stick out to me like other ones, but I I like the call on that one. That's a good one. Uh, And then we have Eagles at Bucks. Uh, We have that Baker Mayfield special on underdog. So make sure to include that uh, in your entry. If you end up playing on Monday and you're a new user, but, uh, Eagles are only favored by three points in this one. Okay, 43 and a half total. This is a dangerous, dangerous game for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to expect here. 
I actually have the Bucks winning this one <laughs> because I, I just think the way that these two teams are playing, the Eagles just can't seem to get over anybody. Like if they struggle to beat the Giants in, on Christmas and then two weeks later they play the same opponent and they get just torched in the first half, I don't see how they could turn around to play a team like the Bucks, who are relatively hot, especially on offense. You know, you have Mike Evans to cover, Chris Godwin on the other side, Rashad White coming out of the backfield. You know, he's been doing really good in the backfield, catching passes, that kind of thing. And then Baker Mayfield obviously didn't look that good last week against the Panthers, but he, he didn't look bad this whole season. He definitely has the upside to play well. We've seen him and his connection with Mike Evans. It's there. And we know that the Eagles are just getting shredded on defense. I think are they allowing the, is it the second most fan, not fantasy points, just points overall per game to opposing teams? Like, I think that's what that number came out to at the end of the season. They're just getting completely torched on defense. So I don't want, like, I want to trust the Eagles because they still have like pretty much the same roster, you know, less guys on defense, obviously, a couple guys left. I want to trust the Eagles because they have that championship DNA too. They went to the Super Bowl, but the way that this season's just been playing out, the coaching is what's throwing them off the most. And if that's going to continue, I don't see that changing in a week unless they make, you know, drastic changes. Like, I don't know if we can really trust the Eagles. I actually have the Bucks. I have the Bucks winning this one. Philly's given up the third most uh, points to opposing teams this year. So their defense has not been good. Um, they've been able to stop the run, but lately we've seen some teams, some players kind of break through James Conner, you know, we could see that happen with Rashad White. He's going to get volume, right? So I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin could potentially have huge games against the secondary. We know that the Eagles secondary has been uh, absolutely atrocious. You know, if, if you're talking about, like, what the Eagles do against wide receivers, they are allowing the second most uh, yards per game to wide receivers, only three yards behind the commanders, and we know how bad they are. Um, so not a good situation for them. They're going to have to keep up. Um, I think they can keep up because the you know Bucks defense also isn't that great. So this is going to be an interesting yep. game, man. I, I think this might end up being a pretty entertaining game on Monday night. Um, yep. So I'll be looking forward to this one. If I had to pick a team, though, I'm going with the Eagles. I, I'm going to right. Eagles. I think they're going to win. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to pull it off. And then whoever they play in the next round, they're going to get their asses kicked. I think that's gonna, that's what's going to end up happening. <laughs> I I really wanted to pick the Eagles because it's just like based on you know body of work what we've seen this year you know, you want to go Eagles but I'm gonna let and it's not even recency bias just they've gone on a complete cold streak these past six weeks like which team is geared up more ready for the a potential playoff run quote unquote like it's you have to pick the lesser of two evils I don't think either of them really are but I think it's the Bucks at this point. Because they, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder and the Eagles are going in there like a wounded animal. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think that the Bucks have a shot. And that's why I picked them because you know, it felt a little spicy and it's nice to mix it up in the pick. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back early next week reviewing what happened, uh, you know, on in this wild card round, kind of previewing what's going to happen in the divisional round uh, and mixing, you know, some more news and notes and all that and, you know, kind of keep you guys updated with what's going on. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you hit that subscribe, that follow, that'll be amazing on your podcast app. See you guys soon. Take it easy. Bye bye.